this is uh, Rachel Ramirez. She's a yep. founder of the Center on Partner-Inflicted Brain Injury at the Ohio Domestic Violence Network. So Rachel, why don't you tell us about the ODVN? Statewide Coalition on Domestic Violence in Ohio. We have 76 member programs across the state that serve all 88 counties here in Ohio, um, serve almost 100,000 survivors and their children a year. Uh, and spent many, many years working around the issue of trauma and traumatic stress. And I think for most people, even people who haven't uh, been in an abusive relationship, I don't think it's not uh, it's it's not like a, a news flash that it can be traumatic to be in a relationship where you're unsafe, um, be in a relationship where you're physically unsafe, where you're psychologically unsafe, where you're emotionally unsafe, um, or you might have serious you know, financial impacts of abuse. That what that does is that could end up, you know, when we talk about trauma, trauma is really, you know, any kind of event or series of events or even a set of circumstances that really overwhelms our ability to cope. A lot of times we go through stressful events. And I think for me, what kind of distinguishes stress from trauma um, is really thinking about what that impact is. And if any of us have ever been through, you know, really stressful, hard times, but we come out the other side, we don't really feel like we're different people. We don't really feel like, you know, our, our world has changed. Our relationships have changed. How we think about others, how we think about ourselves has really changed. Um, that's something when we really think about the long-term impact of that on our emotions, on our physical health, on our mental health, on our relationships, even, you know, on our connection to the world and our spirituality and just kind of feeling like we're a different person. And so I think when we talk about being trauma-informed, it really is when we're working with people or with groups of people like in domestic violence that have had really, really difficult things happen to them. It's really recognizing that that impacts them and that impacts how they come into services, that impacts how they respond to us, that impacts how they um, seek help, um, what it is that look like, what our, what our conversations look like, what our relationships look like. And, you know, in a nutshell, I spent many, many years working in, in the trauma space before I even discovered brain injury. Mm. But if you've ever been any kind of training around trauma or trauma-informed care, it's really shifting that framework when we see something. You know, if we see somebody who might be um, getting agitated with us, we see somebody who, you know, is not engaging with a group of people. Um, we see those kind of things. It's not thinking what's wrong with you. It's thinking what happened to you. Like, how is that connected to experiences that happened to you that weren't your fault. Um, and sometimes the responses that we have to trauma are really us trying to cope and trying to adapt and trying to make us help us come through and make it through really, really difficult things. So, and I think that that's kind of a, it's a prominent framework among domestic violence services is really, you know, we call those trauma informed approaches where we're realizing how common trauma is. We're recognizing how that impacts people recognizing how that impacts people physically, how that impacts people mentally, how that impacts how people receive services. We're, we're also recognizing how that impacts those of us who work with traumatized survivors, how that impacts the staff, how that impacts our organization. And then we're really responding by putting that into practice and thinking about how am I maybe responding a little bit differently to a survivor who maybe is getting angry with me um, and not assuming, oh, they're just this, you know, this, well, like, again, they're getting angry with me instead of asking myself, well, what's wrong with them? Like, I didn't even ask them anything, nothing, you know, I didn't even do anything. They don't even know me. Why are they yelling at me? Thinking about how could this be related to what happened to them? And how are these responses coming from a place where they could have been been, there could have been something about me. There could have, could have even not had anything to do with me, but people who experience trauma can have lots of triggers, 
lots of, you know, being in, I remember one of my um, earliest memories from working in the domestic violence, a domestic violence shelter in Florida way back almost 20 years ago was, you know, I used to, people used to come in and used to do paperwork, initial paperwork with them. You know, we'd put them in a room um, and have them fill out their paperwork and, you know, I'd stay with them for a little bit and then usually, you know, check on them, come back and check on them because I was answering hotline calls and running around and doing other things. And one of the things that I noticed is a lot of times people would be sitting in different positions. They would, their, their chairs, they would have moved their chairs. Um, when I was gone, I'd open back up the room. And once I finally asked somebody, I said, well, why, why, why did you move your chair? Um, and again, not in a bad way, but in a like, huh. And they were very comfortable having their, their back to the door. Um, and that was like one of those, the, those trauma responses that they have. I'm not, because of their experiences that they had had. That was something that, you know, a lot of us, when we've had traumatic experiences, we really feel it in our body. It's not as much a thought. It's a cognition. It's like they felt very unsettled when they weren't able to see who was coming in. And so, again, kind of thinking about that and noticing that and paying attention to that um, when we're working with people who have experienced often in domestic violence, pretty ongoing, pretty severe trauma helps us understand how do we provide services in a way that works for people and how do we kind of, it's about reinterpreting behaviors. How do we understand that, you know, if there's something that a survivor is doing that, um, you know, might not make a lot of sense for us, it might be something that made a lot of sense for them when they were in danger. Um, and that's something that our bodies and brains learn and adapt and evolve. And many, many people would say those trauma responses are really strengths. They're really survival responses. They help us survive through really, really difficult things. But sometimes they don't work for us as well when we're in situations when we're safe. Um, and, you know, when thinking about the whole conversation between around domestic violence and brain injury, it's often when people hear concussion, hear traumatic brain injury, most of us think about, I ask this question all the time when I train audiences, people think sports, people think automobile accidents, people might think military service, people think, you know, slips and falls, people think people accidents, you know, people trip over things and those kind of things happen. Um, but, you know, we were talking about, I know I spent kind of the, our, our last question was around trauma. I had spent many, many years in Ohio working with our 76 member programs around incorporating these trauma-informed approaches into how they're providing services. And then in 2016, we ended up getting a grant at our agency to focus on looking at how are we creating more accessibility, making our programs more accessible for survivors who have disabilities. And we ended up writing that grant around two issues around disabilities related to mental health, which again is very, very, I don't think it, it again, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think about how domestic violence could be connected to depression, about how domestic violence could be connected to anxiety, how domestic violence could be connected to post-traumatic stress um, issues kind of related to that. But we ended up putting into this grant um, brain injury, traumatic brain injury. It was something that we didn't know anything about. Um, something that even our organization, where the Ohio Domestic Violence Network, there every state has an organization, has a domestic violence coalition that is kind of does the equivalent work that we do. You know, we do a lot of national work. We talk about trends and promising practices and all the kind of new information. And brain injury was something that we really didn't know anything about and hadn't, hadn't ever really heard of in our work, even though, I mean, I think that the, the piece that, you know, for me always impacts me so much is head trauma. When we think about domestic violence and head trauma, that for sure wasn't new. All of us knew that we were working with people who had pretty extensive head trauma, 
And even when we think about domestic violence, you know, kind of the the image of domestic violence, the first image of domestic violence was head trauma, it was a black eye, it was, you know, a punch in the face. So that has kind of like been in front of our face ever since we started talking about domestic violence. But thinking about this head trauma could be causing brain injuries is something that we had not taken that additional step um, to putting those two things together. Um, so we ended up, you know, getting this grant and I will, you know, I will, I will tell you that that has, you know, even for somebody who had spent a lot of time in domestic violence, you know, I was a good decade into my domestic violence career. It's kind of incredible when I do, I, I, I do a lot of national training around this topic and work with lots of organizations. The, the, the very clear, what I get everywhere I go is like, I don't know how we didn't put these two things together. Well, and I think that even when, you know, and I was talking earlier about when we talk about trauma and psychological trauma, and that can impact our brain function and that can impact memory and that can, mm-hmm. you know, impact emotions. But it's like, sometimes when we even have people, I mean, I remember like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's possible. And again, I'm not a scientist here, so I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but like, you know, if you get like, is it possible? You know, I've worked with domestic violence survivors. Like, can, can you get a black eye? You'd be hit in the head hard enough to have a black eye without that impacting your brain in some way. You know, there are a lot of barriers to going to seek medical care right after you've been assaulted. You know, because again, just like domestic violence hadn't really been a brain injury thing, and brain injury really hadn't been a domestic violence thing. In the brain injury side of things, you know, we talked about all these other populations not really thinking about violence. And domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, gender-based violence, violence as a cause of brain injury has not been a part of the conversation. Well, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we're always really careful on in domestic violence services is all of the services that we provide. Again, when we think about that trauma-informed framework. We're very, very careful about there's a lot of coercion, a lot of control, a lot of gaslighting, a lot of being told what to do and what to think and what that all looks like is a, is a part of domestic violence. Um, that's a part of those dynamics of domestic violence. So in services, we're really, really careful about it being it's not our role to it is our role to educate people. It is our role to provide resources. It's not our role to convince people to do things, to kind of try to, co- and again, when we talk, sometimes we talk about coercion in like a nice way, but again, a part of that, that that can be very, very triggering for a survivor. If we come in and we tell them what they need to do and what they should do. And it's really recognizing that bottom line is that this is, these are survivors and there are, these are their lives and they should be able to make the decisions about you know, if they want to go seek medical care, what they want to do about it. But I think a really, really critical piece for us is even being able to tell survivors, do you know that when you're hurt in the head, that could cause a brain injury? It's that education piece and whether or not, and you know, what a brain injury can look like, you might be having problems focusing. You might be having physical problems. You might be, you know, getting dizzy when you get up. And there was our, there, and you know, some of those symptoms are things that we can help get you connected to somebody to, to, you know, address that or deal with that, um, that, you know, the number and what we've heard, I think that what we've heard, the overwhelming message that we've heard from domestic violence survivors that have heard about it. So again, really the role being education information, and also me as a helper thinking about how do I need to accommodate whatever needs you have, if you're having a hard time focusing or remembering things, how do I need to take that into account and work with you differently? 
This is really on me to make my services work for you. It's my job to make my services work for you. It's not your job to have a certain skill set so my services work. Um, But I think what we hear from domestic violence survivors, so many domestic violence survivors almost feel, and again, we, we aren't diagnosing concussions or traumatic brain injuries or any of that. We're not medical professionals. But they're they're relieved. They say, I, I thought I was stupid. And then you have, I mean, I've talked to survivors. I remember I had a survivor who called me from Texas. And one of her problems was she was having like a hard time. She was in the legal profession. She wrote briefs as a, like, that's what she did. She wrote briefs and she used to be able to read things really fast. And she's like, I just, it's so hard for me to read now. And it takes me so long and I have to read everything over. And she was getting really, really frustrated with herself. Like, I don't know why I can't get this stuff together. And when you think when you don't have information, you don't have education. And that's one of the real challenges about brain injury and domestic violence is there's nobody there. Like when we think about if you have a, you know, a concussion on the soccer field, you have parents watching, you have a coach around, you have this stuff happens in private and there's nobody to say, hey, guess what? You might have had a concussion. You need to go rest. We need to identify what these symptoms are. So these survivors just feel like there's something wrong with me. I got like, I can't get my act together if I cared. Enough, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that so having access to the education and information and also really recognizing like there are things that we can do within our services that can help you get services and help you be successful here. And we can also help, you know, there is absolutely, we think about that. I think that that's one of the real differences between, you know, we talk about partner afflicted brain injury or brain injury, this intentional, intentional head trauma from a, from a partner, from a romantic partner is you have the psychological trauma and the neurological trauma are just like, it was a very, very traumatic way to get a brain injury. Of course, PTSD. So, PTSD. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's it's, tr- it's a true thing, and we always think like you had said. I'm just gonna you said about the military, you have all that stuff. Well, actually, behind closed doors, it happens more often than we unfortunately think. Education is information. Talk about how you are educating about your program. Yeah, well, I think you know. I think we always say, and as you said. You know, we say information is power. And I mean, I think the other thing is it's really, really hard if you don't identify or something, you know, if you've never put two and two together, of course, you're never going to do anything about it. You know, and sometimes we get those questions from, you know, the brain injury helplines and say, well, we don't have a lot of domestic violence victims calling us. And I was like, of course, because I nobody has ever talked about brain injury to me. You know, I wouldn't think so. Again, if I don't have diabetes, I don't reach out to a diabetes organization. You know, I, and you think about, and again, when we think about brain injury as a chronic health condition, we think about a condition like diabetes, how important is it that a person understands what diabetes is, knows about what they can eat, what they can't eat, knows about how it impacts their body, and then people can go on to live very, very fulfilling lives. Brain injury is like an invisible, the invisible um, injury. I would think that would be one of your challenges. Yeah. And that's one of the things, again, most of the, the, you know, the brain damage that happens, you can't see mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you have this trauma and domestic violence that where things are hard, but it's not like, you know, I think the other thing that happens a lot with in domestic violence, people are hurt in the head repeatedly again and again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that we are really, you know, and so I think that that's one of the challenges about the education pieces 
who is going to educate survivors? Because when this happens, we know that domestic violence happens in private, right? Mm-hmm. So even when we think about in the military, if people are exposed to blast injuries, they're often not by themselves. There's often someone else around when people are playing sports, there's someone watching, you know, if people slip and fall, you know, somebody comes to help them, but domestic violence happens in private. So there's nobody to be nobody to do that assessment. You think about the, when you watch football, the people that run from off the field to go check them out there, there's nobody there. So I think that, you know, when we talk about the education piece is one of the reasons why I'm so grateful to be on this, to be talking to you is because we also know that a very, very small percentage of people who experience domestic violence actually call a domestic violence hotline. You know, it's very, very small, but guess what? They listen to your podcasts and they, you know, read articles in the paper and they do. So I think the public awareness piece is so, so important. A part of what we know is that there's hardly any health condition. When we think about brain injury, the health condition that it's better not to know about. Um, when we know about it, we can manage it. When we know about it, we can understand it. You know, when we have domestic violence survivors, like, you know, I've talked to a survivor who one of the things with her brain, she's just like very sensitive to sounds and noises. And when places are too loud, that can really trigger a lot of headaches and stuff. And, and she just thinks she was crazy. She'd be like, how come I can never go out on Fridays and I get these terrible headaches and what's wrong with me again? But now that she has the education and information, and guess what? Sometimes she does still go out on Friday. And sometimes she knows that she has to take an extra nap the next day. And that's her decision. And she can make that. And she doesn't think it's because something's wrong with her. It's her having that information for herself about what that means on her life, uh, for her life that really, really allows her to to live her best life possible. And also has allowed her, you know, we think about things that people have brain injuries sometimes have problems with balance, you know, they have problems with headaches. There are doctors that can help with those symptoms. Um, so I think that it does when we talk about there's so much shame and so much blame around domestic violence that really being able to, you know, and I tell, like I tell domestic violence survivors all the time, like, again, like you might be having a hard time thing. It's not what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. And, you know, the, the analogy I use all the time is, you know, I say, if you have a broken leg, nobody, you're not mad at yourself because you walk slower. Like, of course you walk slower, like your leg's broken and nobody is behind somebody who is on crutches and is upset that they're moving slowly. Like you have different expectations of yourself. And if you've ever seen somebody using crutches, trying to go upstairs, that probably bugs you because there should be an elevator. And those are all of those accommodations. So we tell domestic violence survivors, you know, if you've been hit or hurt in the head again and again and again, like, of course, it's harder for you to plan. Of course, it's harder for you to organize things. Of course, it's harder to remember things because that's your brain's job. But it's not because you're crazy. It's not because you're stupid. It's because something happened to you that wasn't your fault. And we're going to help you with that. Um, and there's information about it. And there's more. And you can have that information. And again, that whole piece around information is power. Um, we do have resources on our website that are available for free for download. We have information for professionals. We have information for survivors. Um, again, not diagnosing brain injuries, but being able to provide some more information about what that could mean in people's lives. Um, and that, again, just over and over, survivors have told us that that really helps them reframe some of their struggles in a different way and really supports them on their path to safety and healing. And that, I think, Rachel, is a great way to finish. I think that we, you've touched up a lot and you have a lot of I could talk about this for a long time in case and you we, can't tell. We, we can, we'll definitely have another conversation about this for sure. I would love to do that. Um, but this is uh, Rachel Ramirez. 
She's a yeah. founder of the Center on Partner-Inflicted Brain Injury at the Ohio Domestic Violence Network, or the ODVN. Go to the website, please. You have people who can who need who will support you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of education, which is a lot of information. Thank you so much. Well, I am so looking forward.